Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 457 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, we'll be talking to John Marks. John is an adult living with type 1 diabetes. He was diagnosed in his 20s. Today, he's going to talk about his early management, things he figured out, where he is now, and he's going to tell us a little bit about his job. And that job is pretty cool. John is a sports radio host in Philadelphia. He works on the station that I grew up listening to sports talk radio on. John and I are going to talk about diabetes for a while. We're going to ebb into some sports, but then he's got a really important message on the back end that I don't want you to miss. So if you get into the sports stuff and you're like, oh, he stopped talking about diabetes, hang on just one more second for me. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. During this hour, I'm going to mention the diabetes pro tip episodes to John. If you'd like to listen to them, they start back at episode 210, or you can find them at diabetesprotip.com. They're also available at juiceboxpodcast.com. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Get the CGM that my daughter and John Marks wears at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And you can take the Omnipod for a test drive. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Find out if you're eligible for a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. That's actually you using it for 30 days. Or you can ask for a free, no-obligation demo of the Omnipod. And if you get that, they'll send you out a pod that you can wear and try on. It doesn't work, but it will give you the feeling of what it'll be like to wear the Omnipod. So whether you're going to look for that free 30-day trial of the Dash or just try to get that free, no-obligation demo, everything you want is at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Last thing before we start, check out the T1D Exchange at t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Are you in a studio right now? Like, are you going to do this and then work? Uh, yes, I, I came in at about 1030 to get it like an hour's worth of work done. And then uh, I'm going to do this with you and then I'm going to bounce out and then finish up my prep and get ready to go in the air. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, so we're recording already. This is very, very laid back. I listened to a couple of a, a couple recent podcasts over the last week or so to get a feel for for what it was. So I got a pretty good idea. You do a good job with it. Thank you. I listened to your show yesterday too. So. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I thought. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. Introduce yourself. My name is John Marks. Uh, I work for ninety four WIP. I'm a, I am a talk a sports talk radio host. You can listen to me every Monday through Friday from two to six. Uh, if you get the radio.com app and um, Scott, thanks for having me on the show, man. What's going on? Uh, I well, I'm gonna have to go back probably to when you started in Philly, and I, I I grew up in Bucks County, so we listened to sports talk constantly. I like my earliest memories are walking around like a baseball card shop and hearing like Glenn Mack now talk about like you know <laughs> sports, and I love the like what I think what you do is is incredibly difficult to make look easy you know, to have these like very short conversations that are cogent and um, somehow they're 
they're unto themselves, but then they build along the hours that you're on the, on the, on the radio. I think it's, it's a really cool skill to have. And so I love listening when I get a chance. I love listening to people talk. I don't put on as much music as I, I even want to because of that. And I uh, felt like one day I heard you offhandedly say to your co-host that uh, you had diabetes and it never really came back up into my head again. And then what was it now? Maybe a month or so ago, I was listening to the radio and I could hear your Dexcom beeping. And <laughs> I thought, how come I've never asked John to come on the podcast? So here you are. You know, it, it's funny how many diabetics are out there listening and know what that Dexcom alarm sounds like, because between the tweets, you're, I guess you emailed me or I don't know if you, you direct messaged me on Twitter, but right. between the DMs and the, the emails, I must have gotten a dozen people saying, hey, I'm on the Dexcom too, or hey, <laughs> my daughter's on the Dexcom. So it was not something I expected when the, when the damn alarm goes off because you know you can't silence it right away because it puts the volume all the way up yeah. so everybody can hear it. But it, it it's funny how, how it works out sometimes, isn't it, Scott? Isn't it interesting that, that you get that many responses? Because I immediately thought, you know, so seriously, I dropped my daughter off at a salon. She was having her nails done, and I was waiting outside listening to your show. And I heard the beeping, and my brain thought, that's not right. Arden's not low. I know she isn't. And... Then I was like, wait a minute, it was muffled. Like, that wouldn't have sounded like that. And then it occurred to me, I was like, I remember this guy saying he had diabetes a couple of years ago. This is what this is. So that day, I, I, were you trying to, you had adjusted your diet, right? Um, that particular day? Yeah, is that what was going on? You were trying to eat right or something like that, I heard you saying? Well, I mean, I, I, I have, ever since the, the pandemic started, so we're going on a year now, I really decided that I was going to take advantage of not being able to do anything and really start exercising and eating better. I, I would say my diet was was usually, you know, pretty good uh, for being a diabetic, but I really kind of took charge of it. I don't remember exactly what it was that day. You know what it was? It, since it was about a month ago, Scott, the, you know, my basal rates were probably a little bit off because of the, 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 the temperature change yeah. and what it does to me. But I mean, honestly, like it's not, it's not unusual for me to get a little bit low during a show. And because I have a, an Apple watch, which is amazing because I can get the, the Dexcom reading right on my watch. It's like, a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's amazing for any diabetics out there. Yeah. Um, you see it going down and I know that I'm in a commercial break. So what am I doing? I'm trying to eat a granola bar during the commercial break, but doesn't work right away. So sometimes something like that will happen. And, you know, that, that's not uncommon with yeah. me, Scott. I mean, you know, we, we all have our highs and we all have our lows. And we just try to try to manage them as best we can. So you feel a little when the weather warms up, you need a little less? You know what? It's it's yes, I do. It's um, it, and, and, and it's weird because weather warms up for a couple of days and I switch it. And then, you know, the Northeast in, in spring and, and, and late winter, then it gets, that's 30 degrees, 20 degrees again. So then, you know, sometimes it, it, it backfires on you. So yeah. That's yeah. For me, when it gets warm, I need less. Uh, when it gets, when it gets cold, I need more. And I think it's like that with a lot of people. What kind of pump do you use? Uh, I have an Omnipod. I don't have the I don't have the dash. I, I inquired about it, and my insurance was telling me that I, I'm not eligible for it, and I had to go through the appeals process, which I uh, I guess I'm currently going through. They said it could take about three months, but I, I'm an Omnipod insulin pump user. Three months, April, May, June. I'll tell you what. If you wait that long, I assume their algorithm is going to be out. So the Omnipod five will come out, 
and then your Dexcom and your Omnipod will talk to each other and it'll adjust your basal insulin and, and things like that automatically. So I should just wait. You, maybe you should. That's because it's pretty, trust me, that's a pretty great technology. My daughter's using an algorithm right now and it's fascinating to watch it work. Amazing. Uh, yeah, might stop some of those lows for you. I'm wondering when you're talking, does like you said you get you can get lower while you're talking. So I, I think of your show as like, I think of you as the driver and as like as the like the color a little bit sometimes. Yeah. And so you're so you're you're talking a little more than he is, um, and you're paced like you're you're a quick talker like I am. That does that actually burn carbs for you? Do you do you get low just from that? Do you have to eat during the show? I guess is my question. I do. Uh, I, I have a routine at, at our, and actually we just changed our, our clocks. So our break schedules are a little bit different now, but I used to, before we would go, we would have a, a commercial free segment that would go from about 440 until 520, mm-hmm. save about 40 minutes. So during that break, I'm starting to get hungry anyway, because lunch had been, you know, three or four hours before. So that's when I would typically eat one of my protein bars that I have. Um, so now that it's a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, it does, it does. It is, it, Scott, when, when I have a, when I feel like I have a good show, when I get done and off the air, I, I just like mentally, I'm just exhausted. Like, Oh yeah, man. And now I have to drive 55 minutes home and have two little kids running and screaming and try to eat dinner and then get them in bed and everything else. So it goes quick. Um, that day. Yeah, it does. I have to tell you, I, I, it's not dissimilarly. If I, if I do this for an hour for 90 minutes for there's a, a span of time afterwards where your brain is scrambled, like from listening and talking and trying to say the right thing and not say the wrong thing. And, you know, and all the things that you want to get out and everything, it, it is exhausting talking like this. Um, I just didn't realize it would, it would affect blood sugar. Like that's kind of interesting. I think it can, um, for, for people out there that are listening that aren't familiar with sports radio. And I, I'll just say like the Northeast, which is Philly, New York, and Boston, People not only take their sports serious, but they take their sports radio serious. I mean, it, it really is. It's a way of life. And, you know, heated conversations, talking about quarterbacks and things like that, looking at your mentions on Twitter and people wanting you fired or, or threatening you or things like that. <laughs> it, it, get, it gets very interesting. So I don't know if my, my, my mean mentions take away from my blood sugar, but I think a long show sometimes does. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? So it was uh, August 7th, 2002. So I would have been 24 turning 25. I was working. I was in between. I was in between jobs. I had left a, a, a an office job uh, that I was working at in Center City, Philadelphia. I was working at a restaurant part time and then I was working in another restaurant part time. So I had two part time restaurant jobs. The one restaurant, it was it opened like it was a new restaurant. It opened and it did poorly from the start. So it turned into one part-time job that I had. Mm. And I remember I was at my, I was at my other job and I went across the street to a convenience store and I bought two of the biggest jugs, not like the, the, the 32 ounce jugs of Gatorade, but like the super duper big family size jugs of Gatorade, because I was so thirsty and I, I, I couldn't quench my thirst. And I just remember chugging these two things of Gatorade. And the guy that I worked with looked at me and said, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, dude, you got to go to a doctor. And I'm like, I know I do. I think I have diabetes. That was on, that was on August 6th. The next day I took a train, went up because I didn't have a car. I was living in the city, took a train up to my parents' house in suburban Philly, um, got her car 
and drove to the doctor. And that's where the uh, that's where my my family doctor that I had since I was a baby was very upset because my blood sugar was 720. Yeah. And he realized what what that I was diabetic at that point. How so that was you, August 7th, 2002. How did you know? Is it in the family or are there any other endo issues in your family? No, I'm the first. No, I don't even have anybody type two in my family. So I was the first. It was just that like the just not being able to quench my thirst. And I just like, that's just what I thought it was. Wow. because Nothing else made sense. And probably two weeks before that, I had a low Again, it was on a train, and I remember calling my mom and saying, I feel really sick. Can you come pick me up at the train station? I'm not going to be able to walk. And she brought a Gatorade with me, and I drank the Gatorade, and I felt much better. But what I didn't know was my sugar was probably 50 because I had ran to the train because I almost, almost missed the train, and my, you know, it's hypoglycemic, so my sugar was low. So then it all kind of made sense at once. It was like if you watch the um, – if you watch – what's the – uh, what's the movie with, with Kevin Costner where he's, uh, it, it, anyway, he, he's, he's like limping and walking usual suspects. Okay. You realize in the last scene in the movie where Kevin Costner's character goes from doing this limp to where he's just walking space. And it's like, Oh my God, like that's the guy. Right. And like, it was at that moment where I'm like, Oh my God, I think I have diabetes. Just like that. You're like, I'm Kaiser Soze. <laughs> Yes, Kaiser Soze. And I and I have diabetes. Um, He's not. Yeah, I wasn't verbal Kim. I was actually. Yes, I was Kaiser Soze. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that really without any background, did you use the internet or just the thirst thing drove you to diabetes in your mind? I I I mean, this was 2002, so I didn't. I I probably had a flip phone at the time, right? So, um, it. I just like, and I remember saying it to my mom when I got up there and she goes, you don't have diabetes, stop. And I'm like, well, then what the hell's going on? And, but she looked at me, she said, you look like a drug addict. You were losing weight. It was probably six or 700 for, you know, three, four, five days. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, went to the doctor, bang, 720, you got to go to the hospital. So you're about two years prior to my daughter who was diagnosed in August, um, 2000, excuse me, four years, 2006, when she was two years old. So you were just slightly ahead of the curve of technology too, right? So what did you start with to manage? So here's the, here's the kicker. When I said I had two part-time jobs and then I had one part-time job, I had no health insurance. Mm-hmm. So just going to the hospital and then putting me in intensive care because they were worried that there was pro- going to be problems with my organs because my blood sugar was so high. Uh, so I didn't have insurance in there. And you know that's like staring down the barrel of a shotgun where it's like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. And luckily, you know, my, my parents aren't wealthy by it, by any stretch, but I, I grew up in a, in a middle-class neighborhood. Uh, I was living on my own and I had an apartment of my own, but I knew at least that they could give me some, some support as I needed. But I started off with a, a vial, with a vial of long lasting and a vial of short lasting in needles hmm. and a, and a one, and a one touch, a little meter, so that, a meter. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's how I, and that's how I did it. I try to explain to the people who listen to the show. I'm like, you, you, they gave me a vial and a handful of needles and this little meter that looked like it came out of a bubble gum machine. And like, here, go take care of your kid. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, compared to now, it's it's barbaric. And compared to even 10 years prior to that, it was the most amazing thing that ever existed. So uh, it's interesting how it leaps forward so much. So you find Omnipod win. Um. So I've been married six years, seven years ago. And, and you know what? So like, I, I don't, I don't know why I didn't get on a pump. I, I, I had, I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years. I had, you know, started my radio career and 
my diabetes was not managed well. I didn't test my sugar well. I didn't test it often. I, um, I, I wasn't a big sweets eater. So it's not like that I was eating cakes and cookies and all that stuff right there. But if you're not testing your sugar multiple times a day, you're never going to be regulated properly. Right. So I had for a number of years, that's, that's how I lived. I had multiple times where I bottomed out and I woke up in the back of an ambulance. Um, you know, I, I, I just always felt like, especially when you first get diabetes, you, you feel like, cause you're still in the honeymoon phase. You always feel like that you're going to be able to go to get something, right? Like you feel low. I could, I'll be able to go to get to the store and get an orange make juice it. Yeah. until the first time where it doesn't happen. And then happened in center city, Philadelphia. I was going to, to deposit my, my check from my job and boom, straight down. Right. And I woke up in the back of an ambulance. And the first thing I remember is I'm saying, I, we didn't know if you're going to make it or not. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, it's scary, but I mean, that's how I lived for a long time. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I've heard adults. So you're in a really interesting space. I've talked to so many people like diagnosed as an adult, but not a real adult, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, right. just right. And, and just try to ignore it. Like it'll be okay. But do you have, do you have any idea how many people tell me in that age range, they meet someone where they, it ends up being they take better care of themselves because of someone else or for someone else. Did you have that? Like, like, were you doing it for you or did you do it because you met a woman or do you know what I mean? Um, I think I, I, I just, I realized that doing what I was going to do, what I was doing, how I was managing my diabetes wasn't going to work. And I think it was when I went back to, and this, this was when it was, I, I, I went back to seeing and seeing an endocrinologist, on a regular basis, right? Went a couple of years where I would go and then I wouldn't go for a year. And then when I needed prescriptions refilled and they're like, you can't get your prescriptions refilled unless we see you in the office. So then I would have to go again. Uh, I think it was when I finally started getting regular A1C and it, and I saw what, how, how I was managing my diabetes, which was, you know, not good, not terrible. I was trying, but it's very difficult when you're just using a meter and you're just using a vial and a needle. Yeah. It's very difficult. So that's when the doctor, because I hadn't been a regular, I hadn't been good. I hadn't been going to a doctor on a regular basis. They said, well, what about the pump? And I said, sure, let's do it. But it really was the Dexcom that saved me. I could take injections right now. If I, The Dexcom is, is the lifesaver. I mean, yeah. this is what's totally changed my life is being able to see what my blood sugar is at any moment and see what food does to my blood sugar so I can learn from that. Right. So that's been the game changer. Fine tuning issues then you can do with insulin. It's it's interesting. I was talking to somebody yesterday and he said that it, a pump used to be this thing where if you were just really not on top of things at all, they'd slap a pump on you thinking, well, at least you're getting basal insulin. We can we can right. know that's happening. And maybe you'll push some buttons once in a while when you eat and we'll get lucky and you'll bolus once in a while, which makes it all it's nice not to get poked and all that stuff's great. Uh, it's great to be able to adjust, you know, temp basal rates and extended boluses and things like that. But you're right. Once you can see the data in real time, it's eye opening in a way that's it's impossible to describe if you've done it to to somebody who's never seen it before. Yeah. And, and you can't you, without seeing that you don't really know you. You can test your sugar after an hour and you know what it is, but you don't know how long it took to get to there. And that was another thing with me was the taking too much insulin too soon eating something that has carbs, but they're slow acting carbs. And then not realizing that's not going to hit me for two and a half or three hours. And then I'm low and then I'm, I'm eating to solve that low, but then my sugar is getting high. So then I'm waking up with a 350, you know? So yeah. 
the, the Dexcom, for anybody out there that, that doesn't have a Dexcom, get a Dexcom or get something like a Dexcom because it is, is a life changer. I, I, I would tell you that um, absolutely Arden, like we love Omnipod. We really do. Arden's had it since she was four, maybe. Um, but it, you're right. If you made me choose, I'd have to take seeing the data over the ease of pumping. Like if you made me pick just one like that, you know, it's a false choice for us, but that would be the way to go. I have a question about prior to all of that. Um, you were bouncing around a lot. So were you the kind of person who was low so much that it counterbalanced the highs? So your A1C looked like it was reasonably okay in the sevens or were you more of a, I'm trying my best, like I'm more in like the mid eights. I don't know if I can say it better than it's been said already today, but the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor is an absolute must in your life with insulin. If you have type 1 or type 2 diabetes, you need to see what your insulin is doing, what impact it's having on your blood sugar, and how is the food you're eating impacting all of it. Think about that. Think about being able to see food go into your mouth go to your blood sugar, and cause a rise. But you can see it happen in real time. It allows you to make a decision for next time, right? I pre-bolused my meal this time. I did 15 minutes, but I started to get a rise before the insulin really kicked in. Maybe if I just adjusted my pre-bolus a little bit, I could stop that rise. Maybe I just need a little more insulin, a little less, a little sooner, a little later. How do you figure that out? You figure that out with the information that comes back from the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Links in your show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Get yourself a Dexcom G6. Find out what your blood sugar is doing. Did you ever go to sleep with a blood sugar of 95 and wake up with a blood sugar of 250? Can you imagine if you could see exactly what happened overnight? When does your blood sugar start to rise overnight? When does it stop? Imagine now that you just set some basal rates that impact those rises. So you go to sleep at your 95 blood sugar. The rise is going to happen at 2 a.m., but you're ahead of it. And you've changed your basal rate at 1 a.m. to get ready for that rise at 2. The rise never happens, and you wake up with that same blood sugar that you went to sleep with. Wouldn't that be cool? You can do it. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I'm not even bothering to tell you that you can share your data with up to 10 followers if you want. That means your wife, your sister, your school nurse, anybody could see what your blood sugar is doing if you want them to. All right, while you're on the internet looking for that Dexcom, don't forget to get yourself a demo of the Omnipod or a trial. You can get a trial or a demo, two different things. So you can get a free, no obligation demo of a non-working Omnipod just so you can wear it to see what you think. You could like bang around the house with it and see, you know, John's going to say later he wears it on his arm. You could see if that works for you. Or you can dive in a little farther and get yourself, if you're eligible, a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Use the Dash for 30 days for the freeze. You could do that if you're eligible. Go find out at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. We're talking about insulin pumping. We're talking about having control over your basils, your temp basils, your boluses. You can extend your boluses. There's all sorts of things you can do. And I haven't even told you yet that it's tubeless. So you're not connected to a device. It means you can jump in the shower without taking off your pump. I just 
literally five minutes ago, saw a story online. Someone tried to figure out why getting into a tub made their blood sugar come up. And after all this consternation and talking, you know what the answer was? They took off their tubed insulin pump to get into the water, taking away their insulin and allowing their blood sugar to rise. With an Omnipod, you can jump in the water and keep on that Omnipod. It is tubeless, it is waterproof, and it is wonderful. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. And of course, don't forget the T1D exchange. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Check them out. Support the show. Hit the links. Thank you. Back to John. Definitely highs and lows, highs and lows, highs and lows. Uh, Eights. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But but you passed out. You passed out a number of times, though. Christmas, um, Christmas morning when I, I guess, well, this was back when I was, I was definitely living at my parents' house. So I had lived on my own for a while. And then when, you know, coming back from living in Hawaii, I was there for a year or two and then I had moved out. But I remember it was a Christmas morning. The insulin that I was using, you would have to take a half hour before eating. Mm -hmm. And I took the shot of what we were going to have for, for Christmas morning. And then I fell back asleep. And I guess breakfast got delayed. I came downstairs. The only thing I remember is waking up on the floor with, yeah. with, uh, with an ambulance in my neighborhood on Christmas morning, which made all of my neighbors and people that I know in the area wonder what happened. That sounds, um, does not sound like So, yeah, yeah, that was one of my times. <laughs> wow. And um, now you said you have a couple of kids. Do you know about TrialNet? Have you wondered if they've got like antibodies that marker type one, or do you not think about that too much? I honestly don't think I. Not that you don't think about it because I mean, obviously you do. And it's something you worry about. I have, I have baby number three coming, uh, God willing in, in July. Congratulations. I, but thank you. Yeah. But, but I haven't, no, I haven't looked into it and I'd be more interested in, I'd be more interested in, in information. Yeah. There's a woman named Carla Greenbaum was on recently. Uh, she runs trial net. They'll send you out a kit for free. You do a little thing at home, send it back to them. They'll tell you if you have any of the antibody markers. And actually, there was a gentleman on just the other day um, who's just about ready to have his company's about to have a drug come out of trials with the FDA. And they're seeing that if you have the markers, they give you this drug. It's an infusion. I think you get it. God, I, I hope I'm remembering this right. Maybe like once a day for like 12 days in a row and then you're done and it can hold off the onset for years. Wow. Really fascinating stuff. So, um, yeah, it's called trial that when we're done, I'll send you the information so you can, you can have it. Hey, did Very. you, do you know, um, you know, Sam fold has type one. Yes, it, it, it is. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a coach for the, or he's in the, the front office for the Phillies now. He's, I guess, well, Dombrowski is, is Dombrowski not the GM? I think he Sam- is, but he he's, I think he's like the president of baseball operations. And then they, they bring somebody else in who has the general manager title. And that's Sam. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sam's got that. Sam's got the GM. Title. He's actually been on the show a couple of times. He's really wow. just a delightfully nice guy. Just then if you ever bump into him, um, he's got like this uh, great camp he does for kids with type one uh, every year. And he's just a really uh, genuinely decent person. So um, Very cool. I just figured you might bump into him at some point or another. Okay, so I have to ask you, I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. I have been all my life. And I always imagine that Howard would make up fights with other disc jockeys just to make on-air stuff. 
But fights with sports radio disc jockeys is real, isn't it? <laughs> well, Scott, I, I, uh, I, like you, grew up on Howard Stern from, uh, man, from middle school when I knew I was, shouldn't be listening to him because I wasn't old enough for that type of content. Right. All the way up through, I, I don't have, uh, I don't subscribe to Sirius anymore, but whenever I get, like my wife just got a new car, so she's got the one-year subscription. So I every time every time I need to go somewhere, I take her car so I can listen to the the Stern stuff. Um, I mean, so in Philly, there's two sports radio stations. Uh, the where I am at WIP, which is the leader in uh, in, in sports radio for forever, and then the other station, which is 97.5 The Fanatic. That is where I started and where I worked up until um, I guess it was 2000. 17, I guess now. Yeah, 2017. So okay. I was very much the enemy or I considered WIP the enemy for a long time. And then I switched and I came over here. Um, for, I mean, for the most part, we I get along with everybody. Yeah. Uh, there, I'd still consider most of the people over there my friends. Um, everybody's been great to me here. But um, I would say some of the older generation of sports talkers in this town, they have uh, – that's kind of what kind of what they grew up with, which was just hating everybody and each other. The fighting, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, it really is that idea that back then there was a finite amount of radio stations that were talking about the thing you did. And if somebody else was succeeding, you were failing. Now there's outlets for everything. You know, you can get your – you can get your voice anywhere almost. It's amazing. And I think and I think Stern kind of kind of set the bar for just a radio war, right? Like no matter who he was, who was trying to go up against them. It was first John DeBella in Philly uh, who had the morning zoo. He had the top rated station or top rated show here in the mornings. And then when Howard got syndicated to WISP, it was like, OK, he's the guy to beat. Yeah we're going to beat him. And then that, like, that just was, was, was what he was going to do. He was going to stop at nothing to beat whoever was in his way. You had man cow who was out in, uh, out in, in Chicago Church, and you had some other people across yeah. the, across the country. But yeah, I mean, that was radio wars. That's what you did. Yeah. And you saw a lot of people, even up until recently, there was a, there was a sports radio host here not too long ago that was applying the Howard Stern method of, you know, radio war, stop at nothing to win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's times have kind of changed. It's tough to do the Howard Stern stuff anymore. Doesn't work. Yeah. Do you know I went to that Debella funeral? I must be much older than you. I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> we took the day off and we went down and it stood down there and I think it was on Market Street and it was hilarious. <laughs> you and a lot of other people. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Like I, obviously, I, I I'm constantly look at ratings and and everything else uh, with 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 our show and other shows or whatever, but the ratings that Howard Stern did, you'd more or less have 25% of the city listening to Howard Stern. You'll yeah. never see ratings like that again. Yeah. It was amazing. One in four cars is an, is an amazing statistic. It, it really is. And do you feel that like, I look, I have a podcast. I'm not on the radio and I feel it constantly like make this good, make it better, make it interesting. Don't let there be lulls. You know, like do you have all those feelings like do you, you have that is there a voice in your head that's like cut this call off i have i have anxiety every day when i wake up because it 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 is what am i going to talk about today mm. right when you do a radio show if you if you're doing a lot of interviews then you can do a lot of interviews and that's kind of like the the, the preponderance of what you're doing on a show that's not what we do we do mostly talk a lot of interviews but for the most part it's we're talking we're discussing we're debating so it, it's been, 
I mean, honestly, it, it's even when we've had great rating success, like, hey, you're the number one show for the last six months in Philadelphia. It's difficult to enjoy because I have to, we have to answer the bell every morning of, you know, like or in the afternoon, but that's what I'm thinking about when I wake up. The first thing I think about when I wake up is what the hell am I going to talk about Keep today? It. I think if oh, you put yes. two average people in front of a microphone, they could maybe go for two and a half minutes and then they wouldn't be able to go anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's kind of, I think it's just like, I knew from a very young age, like you were talking about being a Howard Stern show. I Stern show fan. I used to tape, Howard Stern on a cassette. And then I would listen to it when I got home, I would tape the uh, back then was the WIP morning show with, uh, with, with, with Angelo and Tony Bruno and Al Morgani. I, I would tape radio because I would have to go to school and I wanted to listen to it. So for me, I think it's just one of those things where I, I just like, it's what I've always wanted to do and kind of, it's cool being on, on here right now because I didn't get involved in radio. I didn't really get my act together in life until I became diabetic and I had no insurance. I had a part-time job. I was just kind of like living, right? Like, what am I doing with my life? And it really, it kicked my butt into being like, you know what, what are you doing, dude? Go out there and do something with your life. And that's what, I mean, and that's what I've done since then. No kidding. I'll tell you the amount of people who tell me, and I see it with my daughter as well, that being aware, having to be aware of your health is it gives you a lot of clarity and that some of the healthiest people I meet have type one diabetes because they're so in tune with what's going on with their with them their self inside. It's a, it's a view that most people don't have of themselves. And it feels like you saw it and it wasn't going right. And at some point you're like, I got to fix this. And then that led you to pulling everything else. That's incredibly interesting. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was like I, I always say that that, that people that people that, that are trying to manage their diabetes, right? You really have to want it. You have to want it. You have to be diligent. It's it gets tiring to do it. You can't do it five days a week and then take the weekends off. It's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh, whether it's with me, myself, Scott, with 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 you having your daughter. Uh, just the the burden that that must put on your mind because it's her, right? Like I, I I couldn't imagine that. I would much rather deal with it myself because I know that I can deal with it myself. But I I, I have a I have a friend whose dad is he's not type one, he's type two, uh, and he's he's in his sixties, and he you know, we we were swimming. I was over somebody's house. He was there. We were swimming, and he's asking me about the Dexcom because I I actually keep them on I keep the pump and the Dexcom on my arm. Cause that's the, the best, best place for me is on the back of my arm, upper arm. Yeah. Otherwise I tear them off or whatever. Right. So that's where I, I have them. So I'm swimming. He's asking me about them and I'm asking him about his diabetes and he's, he doesn't ever, doesn't ever uh, test his blood sugars and everything else. And I told him, I said, listen, if you get the Dexcom, like, you will know what your blood sugars are at all times and you can adjust it. it he, he didn't, I, I gave him the information. He never did anything with it because he's just like, Oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. Well, like you can't have that. You can't feel like that. I'm fine. Everything's going to be fine. So it, it, it kind of what it's done for me in life, which is that like to, to be in radio and to have, you know, moderate success and to be doing this on a local level and, and, and having some success here in Philadelphia, like I've, I've been kicked so many times I've been told I can't do this so many times. I've really, really, really had to want it and work for it. And it's the same thing with the, with, with keeping your sugars down. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, it is. Well, after you, after you 
decide to do something like that, you do recognize that other things are not as difficult as you think they are. Like I find diabetes to be um, a major source of perspective for me. I, there are things that prior to my daughter's diabetes, I would have thought were trouble or a problem or hard. And now I don't look at those things the same way. Um, it, it just, I, I would, I would be able to say to myself, I want to get something accomplished. I'll go do it. Nothing's as bad as my daughter's blood sugar being high or low to me. So I, it just feels, yeah, I, I, I heard you, I heard you say in a, in a recent episode that, that if your daughter's blood sugar is over 145 after you eat, you're like, inside like what did i do wrong did i not do this do not do that and and it's it's um i I thought about it and i said well man like if it's me it's just like all right well i I gotta do better but doing it for your daughter it's like you're you're in charge you're you're the one that that's trying to help her it's uh it does feel right it it really it really puts life in perspective and and i'll tell you this that that diabetic me is is a much more healthier person than non-diabetic me that's certainly something um is your does your wife have any involvement in your care or is that something you keep kind of separate um i mean no she doesn't she doesn't have it on her um she doesn't have it on her phone or anything like that she she knows that i'm taking pretty you know pretty good care of myself now but she's the one that pushed me before She's the one that pushed me when I didn't have a pump or, or a Dexcom. She pushed me saying like, well, how are your sugars? All oh, my sugars are fine. She's like, how do you know? And yeah. she, she was holding me accountable because they, I did. How did I know if they were fine? I wasn't testing my sugar. Oh, oh no, they're fine. They're fine. Don't worry about it. I was just low like an hour ago and I ate a, I ate a granola bar. So I'm fine. Right. Yeah. So she was, and it, she, it was right before we got, we got married to where it was like, I'd like to have this on before we get married. So like, so I, so I, We've been married almost seven years now, so that's how long it's been. So fine to you was not passing out, (laughs) right? Like I have a granola bar, I'm fine, which meant I'm not going to wake up in an ambulance. I yeah yes yeah yeah yes that's that was fine with me. Where all right, maybe I'm a little bit high, but whatever. Whatever. I mean, yeah yeah, you're right. But you're in a completely different space now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My, My my biggest my biggest issue right now with my blood sugar. Because so I get off the air at six o'clock, depending on traffic, it could be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour getting home. Uh, so by the time I get out to the studio, get to my car. So I'm getting home usually between seven and seven fifteen. We try to have the kids in bed by eight o'clock. So I am rushing home so I can eat. And so I'm stuffing my face eating, trying to put the kids to sleep and I, I'm exhausted. So what I, what now the biggest problem is, cause then I, I'm asleep by nine o'clock. My blood sugars are still, it's getting a little bit higher or whatever. So it's, it's, that's my biggest problem spot right now is I will, I will wake up at like 11 o'clock to use the bathroom and my sugars will be higher than they should be. Okay. And you'll, what will you do? Will you adjust basal rates for that? Or do you think your meal ratio in the evening is like, are you like, how into this are you? Like, do you, do you know if I said to you, that if you have something with a lot of fat in it, um, that you'll see a rise from the fat a couple of hours later, or that protein can make you you're you're into all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. I I mean a, a lot of time a lot of times it's it's just it's it's not properly doing an extended bolus. It's um it's not taking enough because I worry like the, the classic me low. is taking too much insulin because I don't want to be high and then I get low. And then I eat to make up for it, but it's too much that I'm eating. So then the sugar's back up. Well, let me pitch something to you. Go back to episode 210 and start the diabetes pro tip series. It's with me and um, a, 
a friend of mine who also happens to have type one for she's coming up on 33 years now and she's a CDE and we talk through all of the management ideas um, like one one there might be like 20 episodes of it at this point. And uh, I'll tell you, people listen to that and tell me, boom, their A1Cs come back in the fives and the low sixes. No trouble. Really? Yeah, just management ideas and just talk through awesome. like simply. So if you, if, geez, if, if you can get help from that, I, would, I think that would be amazing. Going back to earlier, I have to tell you that I, I, I don't really say it on here very much, but that pressure about doing it every time I start talking to somebody, and you know because you're doing it with me, I don't want anybody's notes. I don't like knowing what we're going to talk about first. I tell people, introduce yourself. I'll ask you a question. We'll start talking. And for the first 20 minutes, I feel an incredible pressure to build a narrative that will be interesting and want you to, it will make you want to listen till the end. And once I hit those 20 minutes, I can hear a voice in my head that's just like, don't, don't F this up now. Like now you did it. Like now pull it through to the end, you know, like make it work. And, uh, I, I don't, I love doing this. I really do. I have to tell you, I, I'm very much, uh, in the same area as you. I mean, we used to put 90 minute cassette tapes in like, and tape the Stern show and then run home 90 minutes later and put in another tape and do it again. And then you'd listen to the whole show later. And I think it's an amazing skill to be able to have conversations that are, uh, interactive without you being with people and hold people's attention. I find it to be an incredible, uh, a, a kind of a magical thing to be able to do. So I don't yeah, know. It, God. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I couldn't imagine doing anything else yeah. to be honest. I, and I, I seriously, like, so people come on, like there's all levels, like people call in and some people are terrific, right? They have a little bit of an agenda. They know how to get to it and everything. How do you stop yourself when somebody kind of hymns and halls the beginning? How do you stop yourself from like, come on, get to it. Like, how do you, well, it, it, it's actually, it, it's a, it, it's a great question because I, I don't like, I, I listen to a lot of audio, uh, just from around the country. I listen to some stations up in, in Boston, uh, cause I feel like it's a, it's a similar market with a similar style of way that they're doing things. Mm-hmm. And there's one particular show where the guy literally will give you 10 seconds. And if you're not good after 10 seconds, bam, you're gone. And <laughs> Like he comes off as a jerk because that's kind of his personality. And, you know, especially when I started this show, which was back into the end of 2017, um, I was running phone callers a lot, a, a lot sooner than I do right now. Um, there, there's a there's a thought in the business that if you allow a caller on for more than two minutes, you're going to have people tuning out. So I'd say that 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 two minutes is is kind of what you're shooting for, and if they're good, leave them on for a little bit longer. But I mean, you're right. If if you knew what you were getting with every caller, then it'd be easy. But unfortunately, some callers are much better than others. So if you get the bad caller that's kind of maybe had a little bit to drink that day, which we'll get from time to time, or somebody that's just not very good on the air, you got to try to you got to. It, it's, it's, I feel like it's, it's one thing that I can definitely be better at is command over your show and command over the calls to where if someone stutters for a second, you don't want to come off as being a jerk, right. but you also can't let him just continue to sound bad because they, that car radio and you're talking, are you talking mostly to people in cars? Is that the vibe? Um, or no, <laughs> you know, it, it's crazy because you and I started listening to sports radio when there wasn't cell phones. So people were actually calling from landline phones. Yeah. Um, I'd say that, that, you probably get about 60% of people that are, that are in the car gotcha. driving. Sure. Now I, I think it's the whole thing is amazing. Um, would you spend the last couple of minutes talking a little bit of sports with me? 
Sure. Oh, all right. I wh- I don't understand. Carson Wentz wanted out. Is that what ended up being the truth? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I guess after he was benched, he decided that, nope, I'm out. And from that point on, he was like one of those things where you like, you know, when you're done and maybe other people don't realize, you know, where you're done. But whatever, for whatever reason, at that moment, he decided he wanted out. So, yes. So then a lot of the what you hear then through the media is just people saving face or trying to set things up in their favor going forward. It's what you do paying attention to sports. It occurred to me I was thinking about you yesterday that it's so similar to political conversation. In, in that, like, there's the truth for one side, there's the truth for the other side, and there's somebody trying to figure out what it is. Like, there's what the team says, it's what the players say, it's what the business says, and then there's sports, and then you got to have to sift through it. And what's actually true, right? Because yeah. just because, it, just because it, a sports team leaks information to a media member or an agent for a player leaks information to a media member – they're not giving a lie detector test before they give that information to the, to, to the media. So you're right. You're doing a lot of, I think you're, you're, you're looking at the available information. You're deciding, okay, why is that being put out there? And then you're trying to figure out what's true and what's not. And I think it's pretty safe to say that, uh, that last year was a really crappy year for the Philadelphia Eagles and that Carson Wentz, for whatever reason, decided it was better for him to play elsewhere. Right. Next year. So, is your is the content of the day for your show? Is it driven by you trying to get to the bottom of something, or you knowing what the the listeners want to talk about and what the callers want to bring up? Um. All right. So so today is a today's a Tuesday, and normally this time of year we are in spring training mm-hmm. down in in Clearwater, Florida. We were actually down there last year, right when like everything kind of hit the fan. Yeah where we were there, we were down there and they're like, okay, you can't interview players anymore. Uh, so it's like, oh, well, okay. So we, we, we were able to like tape a couple interviews, but we had to be a certain amount of time away mm-hmm. or feet away. Nobody had masks or anything. Uh, they, that people just started using hand sanitizer, uh, you know, like, and it was all sold out. So I couldn't get any hand sanitizer to take down there. We actually had my, my partner brought a bottle of rubbing alcohol and he was pouring rubbing alcohol on his hands to sanitize. Um, but so like, that's what we're doing today. We're not going down to Florida, but we're almost pretending we're in Florida today and we're having a bunch of, of Phillies guests that are on. So like, I have to decide and we have to decide as a show, what is the jumping off point? If you tune in at two o'clock, what can we say? What can we do? That's going to say cool, or it's going to be like, wow, good opinion, or it's going to get your attention to continue to, uh, to, to remain tuning in. So you're more or less throwing your fastball. You're, you're throwing your best pitch to try to catch people. You're deciding what is the most important topic of the day. What is most interesting? So we're going to do a Phillies topic today. And I think it's going to be, uh, is this playoff or bust? Like do the Phillies have the fourth highest payroll in baseball? Do we expect them to make the playoffs? Because I don't think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, it could be an Eagles conversation, but really it's kind of reading the room, which is your audience, which is sports fans, and and deciding what is most meaningful and interesting to them at 2 o'clock. And, it's, you know, it's different. I've, I've, Scott, I've worked, I've worked mornings. I've worked middays. I've worked afternoon drive. I've worked nights. And each different time slot or, or day part is different. When you're coming on at six o'clock in the morning, you're starting the day for the station, 
right? By two o'clock, what a topic that may have been hot at six o'clock could be picked over at two o'clock. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting, but I, I think, I think you get what you're, what, what yeah. we're trying to do. Right. We're trying to do something interesting, but it's not, it's interesting. It's I would say it's problematic for you because if the morning eats up that, that topic, but it's still a relevant, a relevant topic of the day, but then you almost have to kind of gloss over it and find the next thing that's most interesting and make it interesting. Right. No, yeah. you're right. And, yeah. and it's, I mean, honestly, afternoon drives my least favorite um, day part that I've worked just because I'm not getting home till a little bit later. And right. I'm not like, I'm not a sleep in guy. I'm up early and I'm ready to go early in the morning. Um, but like it can be picked over sometimes, but like you said, sometimes you can take an idea, refine it and make it better. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, 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 it depends. Every day is different. Do you think that what you do has impact on players and teams? Like, do you think you, not that you have sway over them, but do you think that they listen and that they make decisions based off what they think of as, as how people feel? Me personally, no, the radio station and the sports culture in general. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There was a um, Barrett Brooks who uh, was an Eagles player back in the nineties. Alignment, offensive lineman, offensive lineman. He now does a, he does a a radio show that's um, that's, it's on an AM station and it's national on a, on a national network. He, he had told a story, I guess it's two weeks ago now where they used to talk about in the locker room that the, my station WIP, that the Eagles used to listen to WIP and they would make decisions based on what the hosts and what the callers were saying. So, I mean, it, it, if nothing else, it puts pressure on the teams to do things. And like if WIP wasn't around, and if this city didn't have it as an outlet, I don't know if Carson Wentz is gone. I don't know if he feels the pressure and the stress and the heat that he otherwise probably wouldn't have felt in a different market. Because they have, they don't have the ability to do what the rest of us in the world have to do. Like we live in our lives. You, you don't like right now, if my neighbor hates me, he's 60 feet away from me talking crap about me. I have no idea. I would never know. Like, right. There'd be no way for him to like for me to have any impact from that at all. But when you can hear people talking 24 hours a day about the decisions you make, I bet you it does really weigh on you. And it is different around here, right? Like if you if you picked up and went and did uh, sports talk and, you know, in the middle of the country somewhere, you wouldn't want to have the same vibe and it, then it wouldn't have the same impact on the players. Yeah. And you can't do it. Right. I'll listen to, we have a, we have a station out in San Diego. I'll listen to their, their morning show that I can get driving in because of the time difference. And and they're very funny They're You're not doing the same kind of sports talk in San Diego or in Los Angeles or in St. Louis uh, or in Texas that you're doing in the Northeast because we're, I mean, we're, we're crazy. Mahomes isn't worried that somebody's going to bad mouth him on the radio after he throws a ball (laughs) into the ground. No, there's not going to be a host that's going to decide that he's, he's really not a good player and we're all crazy. Probably (laughs) not. No. So just your opinion was Wentz a good quarterback and the injury just shut him off. Um, I, I think that he has, he gets in his own head and last year when the offensive line was, was poor, that instead of looking down the field, he was constantly worried about the rush. And that was his biggest problem. He just wasn't seeing the field well. Next year with a with a different with a different team and a better team and a better offensive line, I think he's going to be good. But I also believe that at some point he will get back in his head again 
And that's something that you're always going to be able to deal with. Yeah. Or you're going to have to deal with if you have Carson Wentz. I, he, think, I think mentally he can be weak sometimes. I was amazed for his size how well he could escape. And then when he lost that tool, then he just suddenly started looking like, please don't hit me. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, I don't want to get run over back here over and over, which I can't blame him for. But um, and so, OK, so uh, I'll th- let me ask you this. I want to ask you a Philly's question. I'll let you go because I know you have a big day. Um, would you draft a would you draft a, a quarterback this year yes. if you were the Eagles? Yes, I knew it was coming. OK, yeah, um, like, like it, it's it, it's a difficult, difficult question to answer because we're not evaluating the quarterbacks. Right. Like I, I'm not a. I'm a football fan. I'm not, I'm not an expert, right? Now I'm afraid that the Eagles, they're not experts either. That's been part of their problem. <laughs> but if they see a quarterback and they say, because here's what I think the Eagles think about the Eagles current quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I think they like him, but they realize he has limitations and can he really be a good enough quarterback to win a Super Bowl? Uh, I, I don't know if he can. So if there's an obvious upgrade and you see a quarterback and you're like, damn, this guy's good. Then I think you draft him. Is there one out there in your mind? I, I, here's the, here's the problem. The top four quarterbacks might go to top four in the draft. So if the Eagles are, are drafting at six, they may not get a guy. They, you're, now you're looking at the fifth best quarterback and there's a big drop off. So the odds are, unless, unless they're able to trade up and get a guy that there won't be a guy there that, that they like. So then you take the tight end. <laughs> you could, he might be gone. Because oh, the Kiper has him going fifth in the most recent mock draft. No kidding. So now you're looking at a wide receiver or an offensive lineman. It's very fluid. It'll be it's it's it'll be fascinating to see what happens when the draft actually happens. So this is a rebuild for the Eagles, then. Yeah, you know what, Scott? I don't think it is. No, I, I don't. I I don't. I don't think that they they view it as a rebuild. I think they're they're viewing it as we need to make sure we get a quarterback. And if it's not this year, then you're going to find out how good Jalen Hurts really is. I don't know. It seems like I don't. I'm I I'm so accustomed to the football that I grew up with, which was. There were 11 men on defense who were going to try to kill you, and the 11 men on offense were going to try to kick two field goals, and we were going to win six to three. <laughs> like that's that it's is, changed a little bit since then. I tried to explain to my son. I was like, uh, there was a game. It was a Monday night game. The Oilers were playing the Eagles, and by halftime, the Oilers stopped sending receivers over the middle of the field because they were running out of them. House of Pain game. It was amazing. Wes Hopkins broke a man's nose. I think Ernest Givens' nose. And um, I just said nobody like football just doesn't occur that way anymore. And my son's twenty one. He like he doesn't. He just thinks it's a lot of really rich guys that score like fifty points by having a catch. So well, uh, and back then you could hit people in the head. Right, you can hit them late. You're playing on concrete most of the time, and with astroturf. Yeah, I mean it's it's safer now, which is better, but it's. Man, football was different back then. One time, Andre Waters tackled Emmett Smith by running at the line, diving on the ground, sliding across the astroturf, and hitting him in the ankles. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like, yeah, they were playing on a concrete slip and slide. Okay, um, so the Phillies, and I, and I'm going to let you go after that. I, I we're huge baseball fans. My son plays in college. Like, there's baseball's been going around my house forever and ever. Um, is it the pitching? Is it just is it just that Kingry didn't come along right? Like because Bohm's fine on the corner. I you, you find yourself looking at Hoskins wishing you had uh the guy that they let go to the Indians instead. Like it's just I Gregorius is a, is gr- is great for his age and he might be great not for his age. Like where's the disconnect? I think I think what you have with this team is you have do you remember that before the Phillies got really good and 
Gilla came in and Howard and Rollins and Chase Utley and Victorino, yeah. before that team came about, you had a bunch of good teams that weren't good enough. Right. Uh, they, won, they won 86 games two years in a row. The Ed Wade teams, and he was the GM. Yeah. They were good, but they weren't good enough. And I worry that this team is good, but not good enough. And they're spending a lot of money. So it's not like you can say, well, spend, 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 spend. I just don't like, I just don't think they have enough good young players up right now. Mm. Right. Like Bohm is, is, he's the real deal. I love Bohm, but yeah. who, who else? I don't, what that, what happened with Kingery? Yeah. I don't right? know. So, and, and you're hearing, you're hearing sports, you're hearing sports radio Phillies fan talking right now because it, it's so frustrating because they had an opportunity. I just don't think they have enough good young players to supplement the roster. You need it like Aaron Noah, and we're actually going to have him on our show today. Aaron mm. Noah is really good. I, I don't think he's good enough to be an ace, right. right? You're missing a starting pitcher. Can Spencer Howard be that guy? He was kind of disappointing last year, right? They just need better, younger players, right? Yeah, somebody they, people have to pop at the right time, and it can't just be one of them. It has to be more than one. Poor, I I have to tell you, like just uh, being the father of a baseball player, I watched Kingery walk out of the batter's box the other day, and I would have hugged him if I was near him. Like he, I just he had a look on his face, like I don't understand, like why I don't see the ball. Like it just you're heartbroken because he's got all. I mean, these guys appear to have all the tools, and th- and that really brings me to my last question, right? Which is. How hard is it to be critical of people who are the best 3,000 people in the world at something? Does that ever seem ridiculous to you? Like Scott Kingery is one of the best baseball players on the planet. He's just not in the top half a percent. Like, right. do, do you know what I mean? Like, that's a weird – I don't know. Does, does that ever occur to you? I don't want to mess you up. Maybe you'll be like, yeah, why are we picking on these guys? <laughs> no. But, it, no, it, no, it never occurs to me. Uh, what's crazy is – and you said your, your son plays college baseball mm-hmm. – to, to make it to double A in baseball is such a huge accomplishment, right? Yeah. To double A, there's so, I mean, you have to be so good at baseball, even to be a double A player, not, not to mention a major leaguer in, in Scott Kingery was a second round draft pick. So, uh, but honestly, it, it doesn't ever occur to me, like I, to, to, to do this job and to be successful in this job, at least in this city, you can't, you can't worry about, criticizing somebody right yeah. like i if if scott kingery can't play and i don't think he can play then i'm gonna have to say i don't think scott kingery can play right like with jalen hurts the eagles quarterback I, yesterday i'd said i just don't think he's going to be good enough to to really count in the matter mm-hmm. right and these i think these players today they're wired so differently they don't listen to sports radio and they'd be crazy if they did they're yeah. looking at social media and that's where they're getting their information from. I've, I've never even thought here's, here's I, I've been doing a, a radio show with the Eagles defensive end, Brandon Graham on Monday nights for an hour since the Super Bowl year. Right. And he's the one guy that I won't criticize because we have a personal relationship. And that's, that's really about it. You know, you, I yeah. try to keep my distance from people normally. So I don't have to worry about things like that. Brandon's got an old school vibe about him. Um, I used to tell my son that, I thought that if he wanted to, Reggie White could have gotten to the quarterback on every play, but he knew when he didn't have to. And right. Brandon knows when to when it has to happen and does it like come hell or high water. It's um it's really fascinating. Even as he gets older, like it's you know, it's not every game, but my God, like when you need that guy to to disrupt what's happening, he's doing it. It's um it's like he I, I always felt like he understood the game on a different level. And and with him, because like me being a dad and, and, and having two young kids, he has, um, he has two young children as well on a personal level. That's where it, 
That's where it gets me. I mean, I, I see people online on social media that are listeners and the people that, that I connect the most with are young parents like me. Mm-hmm. So, um, when, when it's on a personal level, Scott, it, it's difficult not to, to feel the personal relationship. So you can't get to know these guys because it'll just, it'll mess you up. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. if you're doing a different type of show, like, like in, in Philly, you have the Preston and Steve show, which is in the mornings, which is the closest thing to Howard that Howard that they've had since Howard Stern, as mm-hmm. far as kind of like a ratings juggernaut. Um, like they're on a rock radio station. So they, they, that they want the personal relationships with the players, right? right. Like that's, they want that those people coming in. It's, it's difficult to do in my position. Yeah. No kidding. That's a very, it's a, it's amazing. I, I think of it as a, as a real art form. Honestly, it's uh wow. it's fascinating to see somebody take a two minute conversation. Like I said, make it cogent, make it interesting, move into something else. And somehow when you get to the end of the hour, you feel like the hour was about the thing. And it wasn't these small. And then you guys just very effortlessly go off into, uh, you know, some conversation of your own and bring in your own opinions. You do a terrific job. So uh, if anybody's local, I and and like you said, radio.com app, people could listen anywhere, right? Anywhere. Yes. The radio.com app. It's uh, WIP in Philadelphia. But you can listen to so many stations from not just intercom stations, but also some other stations as well. So you can listen to whatever you want, wherever you want. I use it to listen to uh, to people all over the country as well. So that's, that's really amazing. I, listen, when I was growing up, uh, people, you didn't like teams that weren't within 50 miles of your house. So I, 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 I'm even fascinated by that, that there are people in Texas listening to Eagles talk radio is, is fascinating. I li- you know, when I, 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 I love to listen to after the Cowboys have a, 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 a bad loss. I love to listen to the, the Cowboys station the next morning to hear them melt down in anger. It's amazing. That just makes you happy as a, as a guy that grew up in Philly though, I would imagine. <laughs> Scott, if I can mention one other thing before we wrap this up, and since we talked a lot, a lot about me being on the radio, um, I recently, so where, where our studio is, we're looking out on the Schuylkill river in downtown Philadelphia, right by 30th street station where you can, you know, it's like kind of the hub of getting to New York or going down to DC in the, um, on, on the transit line Amtrak and whatever else. And it's probably a couple months ago now, we had somebody that jumped off the bridge here down into the Schuylkill committed suicide. Wow. And it, there had been another one a week or so before that. And I knew at that time because I, I, I had been feeling some anxiety of kind of being bottled up with the pandemic and not being able to go anywhere. And very innocently I had said on the air, I had said, listen, you know, I'm feeling it too. I'm feeling the depression. I, I know that it's it's difficult out there right now with losing jobs and everything else. So please, before you do something like that, email me, direct message me on 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 Instagram and Twitter. Like, reach out to a family member, call the the, the suicide hotline. Like, don't do that. I understand. Like, I've dealt with depression before, and Scott, you wouldn't believe how many people reached out to me just to say thank you. You talked about impact and it's what made me think about it and it gets me emotional. But the, 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 the impact that I had just by saying that a couple of people reached out to me that were in really, really bad, bad places. One was homeless living out of his car, Mm -hmm. listening to the station. Um, but like that to me, that meant more to me than anything I've ever said about sports on the air in the almost 20 years that I've been doing this. Um, so the, the little things you don't realize the impact that you can make just by letting people know, like, Hey, listen, I'm there too. We're all there and it's okay. Right. No, I appreciate that. Uh, 
I've I've had similar experiences with the podcast, and you really can't you can't undervalue how much just knowing someone else is feeling the same is can 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 bolster someone and then giving them the opportunity just to have some sort of a connection is a, is a huge difference maker. Um, good for you. That's really something. Is that something you think you might get more involved in? Um, you know, it, it's, there's so many different things that I want to get involved with. And it's like, wait, with my show right now, we really need to, like, I would like to have kind of a cause that we raise money for every year. And I had a, I had a friend that, that committed suicide right before the Eagles won a Super Bowl, so 2017, because I remember his girlfriend and some friends went to his grave and put his Eagles jersey on the grave. Mm. Um, and it's one of those things where you're like, I should have, like, not that you blame yourself, but in hindsight, you're like, I can see that he was really, he was a really, you know, like emotional and upset person. Yeah. You don't realize it in the moment or you don't stop to look, I guess is the bigger point. Like it, it feels like, especially now when every, I mean, I, I've had these feelings where I work out of my house and my family's here and everything. And there are times I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm just staring at a wall like I there's like there's nothing else to do. I've done everything I'm supposed to do today and there's still five hours left. You know what I mean? Like it's got this very strange feeling. Um, no, nah, man, that's really that's lovely of you. So yeah, hopefully you guys can uh, can lean into that because it sounds like you had a big a big impact just saying it one time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, but it, it would be it'd be a good cause to kind of get behind because I think everybody can relate and and people so many people have been touched or have went through whether it's they've dealt with somebody in their family with suicide or just you know we don't talk enough about mental illness no, in this certain. country we we don't we don't and we should we should talk more about it absolutely John thank you so much for doing this. Huge thanks to John. Don't forget to check him out on that radio.com app or at 94WIP if you're in the Philadelphia area. Thanks also to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring this episode of the Juicebox podcast. Find out more about that Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And check out those trials and those demos of the Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. You may be eligible for a 30-day free trial of the Omnipod Dash. And of course, adding your information to the T1D exchange helps everyone living with type 1 diabetes. If you or someone you love has type 1 diabetes and you're a U.S. citizen, head to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. John caught me by surprise there at the end, but I want to add the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline to this episode. Help is available. Call 1-800-273-8255 or go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org.